0: to what's the difference stories about lives change because you made a difference brought to you by the mount church here's your host pastor andrew segree Hey, welcome to the seventh episode of What's the Difference. We created this series because we believe, even in a year like last year, and even in this year, 2021, that Jesus is still making a difference in people's lives. So, with each and every episode, we're going to sit down with everyday people just like you, just like me, and we're going to ask the question What's the difference? What has Jesus been doing in you and through you? And so with each and every episode, make sure you hit that subscribe button so you don't miss an episode when it's released. So for this seventh episode of What's the Difference, I am so excited and so honored to have the one and only Susan Wanderer on this episode. Andrew,
1: I'm so excited. I can't even stand it. I really am. Yeah,
0: it's so you're good to like have a, you. You're
1: like a pro with this, man.
0: Well, I don't know. I mean, other than these beautiful microphones, I don't know about <laughs> it, how professional this is. But. You are. It's super fun. It's so so good yep. to have you. And why don't we just take a moment, Susan, and, and for everyone listening, and most people watching this, go to our church, but just yep. take a moment to introduce yourself and what is your role here at the Mount?
1: Yep, yep. Um, I'm Susan Wander. I, no, do, I Tell me, I'm looking at you. Can I look at you? You can look wherever okay, you I'm want. Gonna so I'm look at you. All right. <laughs> so um, I'm the minister to families here, and I've been here um, this June will be 15 years. Oh, wow. That's insane.
0: Yeah. yeah. So that's, it's
1: good. It's a good kind of insane.
0: Yeah, that's really good. Yeah. And, um, you know, I love the story that Jesus has been riding with your life. And, you know, I know where you are now, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I think it would be so good to hear where you've been. Okay. Um, so, why don't you just take a moment and just share your story? Share where you're from originally. Okay. Uh, maybe how you were raised. Yeah. And then, when did you first kn- know that Jesus was pursuing your heart?
1: Yeah. Um, I grew up in Charlottesville, Virginia, Mm -hmm. and I personally think it was just the best hometown ever to grow up in. I love it. I love it so much to this day. Are you a UVA fan? Yes, I'm a huge UVA (laughs) fan. Huge UVA fan. Um, And so, yeah, I grew up there. My dad is a third-generation apple farmer. Mm -hmm. My mom is a retired preschool teacher. She taught elementary and then preschool, and she did that for 40 years, Mm -hmm. and uh, I would say the... The whole way that I knew Jesus was after my heart and captured my heart is because my parents were no nonsense about our relationship with the church. I mean, we had an incredible relationship within our community and our neighbors, and we had beautiful friends outside the church, but really our best, most beautiful connections were within the church Mm -hmm. for me. Uh, My best friends were in the church, and my parents were huge in the whole thought of widening the circle around me of... Helping other people point me to Christ, yeah. and so um, I'm a local church gal. I will. I know that it's got it's um, beautiful and ugly and hard parts about it, mm-hmm. but forever I will believe that the local church truly is um, God's gift to this world. Yeah, and. Um, it helped point me to know Jesus better simply because of the faithful, faithful people that were inside that church. Mm-hmm. So, yeah,
0: yeah, that's good. And when, when did you, uh, like, when did you make that? you know, know, we call it different things, like stepping over into faith, like making Jesus the Lord of your life. Like when, what was that moment for you? When did that happen? I was
1: nine and I talked to my mom and my dad and you know, back then I was, I grew up a Southern Baptist girl. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, back then when you went to your, I went to my parents and I told them I love Jesus and I wanted Jesus to be in control of everything. Mm -hmm. And so we went and talked to our pastor and, uh, once you pray with your pastor and you walk through what salvation is and you get to see what Jesus did for you. Then that next week, I got to go before the whole church. Mm-hmm. Some people back in the day called it walking the aisle. Sure. But uh, the next week uh, I went down front and the most beautiful part about that was that uh, just seeing as a nine-year-old, the church celebrate with you mm-hmm. your decision. Kind of like what we do now with baptism services, yeah, where people are celebrating what Jesus is doing in your life. And um, so yeah, I was nine years old, and um, yeah, my pastor and my parents led me that way.
0: Yeah, that's good. Mm-hmm. That's good. So you're nine years old, Charlottesville, Virginia, yep. or Charlottesville, Virginia, yes. growing up there. Yep. Um, and then eventually, you start to even feel, you know, not that you're a you know a child of God following Jesus, yeah. but you start to feel like there's even a calling on your life sure. to pursue ministry and to yeah. be in ministry. What what did that look like, and when when did that begin? That yeah. like Jesus was saying, okay. You know, you're my child, yeah. but now you need to step into ministry right. too.
1: I knew it was in high school. I didn't know what it looked like though, because um, I just couldn't figure it out. Um, I'll come up with ideas, but I don't always have the great details to get me to an idea, but mm-hmm. I can fi- I can see something. And I knew, um, I knew I just wanted to serve him my whole life. Like that's what I knew I wanted to do. I didn't know how it would look. And I just, that's what I wanted. And um, I became a social worker and in social work i thought this is how i will serve god Mm -hmm. and i loved social work um then um i found out because i am not so smart in looking at contract details Mm -hmm. i did not realize my first job as a social worker was only a 10-month job and it went with the school year. not
0: even a full 12 months they gave you No, it was
1: only a 10-month job because it was with head start so it was a Uh preschool and i worked with i had 40 case families To this day, one of my most favorite jobs of my life. Mm -hmm. I got to work with these 40 families. But all of a sudden, I had people saying, hey, what are you going to do for the summer? And I'm like, "I'm going to work. And they Uh went, we don't work in the summer. And I went, we don't get a paycheck? They were like, no. I was like, dude, I got to figure something out. There you go. So (laughs) I was like, this is crazy. So I found this job in Atlanta that was working in a kids ministry, Mm -hmm. in children's ministry, because I knew God was also calling me into that direction of kids ministry. So I went and I learned everything I could with kids ministry that summer. Well, at the end of that summer, my mentor, who is still my mentor to this day, I love her, Susan Blunt, she and her husband moved to Nashville. Mm -hmm. And so she had been the um, children's pastor there. And she recommended to the personnel committee that I just stay and Mm -hmm. do that job. And so I did. And that's kind of how I jumped out headfirst into full-time ministry. Yeah. Um, Was in 1996. And I was living in Atlanta during the Olympics.
0: Wow. I know. That's awesome. It was. Yeah. You know, I didn't have this question down, but I I actually forgot that you were a social worker. Yeah. Yeah. Like for, so just, was it just 10 months? Like you were a social worker or was it, did you go back at any point?
1: No, because at the end of 10 months, I knew that I was supposed to stay at that church in Atlanta Mm -hmm. after Susan came to me and said, Hey, I told the personnel committee that you're the person and you need to stay on. And Mm -hmm. so I stayed on. And, um, I mean, I don't regret one bit of it, but I do know those those 10 months of mm-hmm. social work, some of my absolute favorite. I yeah. love those families so much. They were so precious. The thing I loved is that um, so many of these families, This none of this was on our questions, but uh-huh. I'm going to tell you this because this is what yeah. I love because it shows the, the local church in action. Yeah. Um, I had so many families that had so many needs, and the governmental agencies were just up to here sure. in being able to help because mm-hmm. there was no funding, any of that kind of stuff. So all of a sudden, I'm sitting there at night going, Lord, I've got 40 families. How am I going to take care of them? All of these doors are closing. And all of a sudden I went, there are like 50 Sunday school classes sitting in your church. Mm -hmm. So I went one by one to different classes in my church and was like, can you adopt one of my families? Can you adopt one of my families? That's so good. And so we had, I had like, for instance, I had one family that had no running water, no, the only dirt floors, all of this stuff. This whole Sunday school class came. They uh, rebuilt their floors. They gave them plumbing. They did. I mean, they did everything. Mm-hmm. And so I get into work the next day after the weekend that they did. That. I brought, all I did do was bring food because that's what you do for Christians. Apparently, mm-hmm. show up with food and right. they, they'll do the work. <laughs> yep. Meal and train. so they did all the work uh-huh. in this back rural neighborhood. And my boss was like, what government agency got all that done? I went, the church.
0: That's right. Like,
1: the church did it. And those people showed up and it was so great. But mm-hmm. yeah, so it was, I loved being that. I love being a social worker
0: that's so good and it's always interesting how god begins to to weave a story together yeah. you know a, th- a job that you stepped into mm-hmm. that you thought was going to be probably for a while it was yeah. only 10 buds oh, and yeah, <laughs> right? you got redirected yes. to go start working at this church um and become the the children's minister mm-hmm. family pastor there um and now um at what point did you get connected with the mount okay how okay. long have, and how long have you been here now so, is it like forty years? Yeah, it 50, feels like it. Fifty years. <laughs> ministry years is intense. <laughs> yeah, so, we tell people it's like dog years when you is. work in ministry. <laughs> it Just really multiply is. it times seven. He's not wrong. So.
1: Um, and so I, um, I, st- I, so I served in um, Atlanta for for a little bit. Went back to my home church. Mm-hmm. There, I was able to work and go to seminary. Um, So they helped me with my seminary experience there. Then um, I served for five years at a church in Hampton Roads, Virginia, Mm -hmm. called Liberty Baptist Church. Mm -hmm. And then um, one year I served in Florida Mm -hmm. at a church. While I was there, um, my mom was having some back issues, and um, she was in a wheelchair, and all of these different things. And my father never asked anything hardly of me, mm-hmm. so I knew when he would ask something that I needed to have my ears perked up, and he said, it's time for you to come home. Mm-hmm. And I was like, "Or oh, what? I just got here for a year, and he said, you, He said, we got to figure this thing out with your mom. I was like, okay. Well, at the time, Ed Wander and I had met, yeah, and Ed was in Springfield, Virginia, mm-hmm. so I was like... <laughs> sounds like a plan. Yeah. I will head home. Now,
0: how did you and Ed first meet?
1: We met online. Okay. When, back in the day before, you didn't talk about it being online. Sure. Because it could be an ax murderer.
0: Christian Mingle, eHarmony. No. Uh, it was, Tinder. It was
1: Christian something. Christian cafe, Christian, Christian something. Christian cafe. Christian Tinder. They don't have that.
0: <laughs> but, uh, but Swipe th- the cross. I know. Is right? what, you, <laughs> what you do with that one.
1: Um, and so we met, and then I um, I was interviewing between here and another church in Reston, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, it, very long story short, mm-hmm. I ended up here, and it has been so great. Fifteen years.
0: Fifteen years. Yeah, and
1: June will be 15 years. All
0: right, so 15 years you've been here at the Mount, mm-hmm. and- it is obvious that you're passionate about kids. Yeah. In fact, one of the things, you know, I love about you yeah. is that every time even this, any kid comes across your path, it's almost like they have the the most passionate cheerleader in in their corner when they come <laughs> across you. You make them feel like they're most, the most special kid in the world. Why don't you just take a moment to share your heart, your vision yeah. for family ministry, sure. your kids yeah. and parents. Like what yeah. does that look like?
1: Yeah. Um, I believe without a doubt that every kid needs to know that they are a very important person with mm-hmm. a very important purpose. And um, as a matter of fact, when guests come into kids ministry on any of our campuses, um, they have a sticker that they're, that our, our amazing welcome team puts on that says mm-hmm. VIP. Yep. And we say to them, you are a very important person with a very important purpose mm. because we believe kids need to know God has... Um, created them on purpose for purpose. And that purpose is kingdom work, Mm -hmm. whether they are in the marketplace, whether they are lawyers or cashiers or whatever they're going to be in Mm -hmm. life, that God has a purpose for them that is eternal in building the kingdom. Mm -hmm. And our hope and desire is that we partner with families to be able to do that and that we are able to, um, create systems where these families do not feel defeated in leading their kids to Christ, but they feel like they are the hero in doing so. Yeah, And so um, we have an incredible kids team that does this, and we have Jason and his team for student ministry that does this. And kids are starting to really see what their purposes are. And that's Mm -hmm. exciting. That's exciting to be able to know also that uh, moms and dads and caregivers are able to be able to point their kids to Christ uh, without it being overwhelming. Mm Because I think for a long time, the global church, in an effort to create sound doctrine, Mm -hmm. made it a little scary for parents to feel like they could lead their own kids to Mm -hmm. Christ. Mm -hmm. And so our motto is that what happens at home is more important than what happens in the church. That's good. And if we can say, what you're doing at home Every single day, mm-hmm. the way you're behaving, the way you're pointing, the way you're playing, everything that you're doing, in somehow showing them who Jesus is, that's more important than what's happening here. And we believe what that's radically important. What's happening here yeah. that should show them that we believe even more so in what they're doing at home.
0: Absolutely, you know, there's that's that's so good because one thing that that I saw last year in 2020 during the pandemic, mm-hmm. you know, when when uh, you know church was online only, yeah. Um, and we were at home with the kids, yeah. especially on Sunday mornings. That's right. Um, one of the things that I saw was a hole even within our own family. Is that mm-hmm. some of that personal discipleship? Even me mm-hmm. as a pastor mm-hmm. who tells parents That's all the right. time, "Look, are right. we're coming alongside of you. Yeah. Um, you're the primary primary mm-hmm. person responsible." Like I realized, like I had to even begin to put too much burden on the church yeah. um, to disciple yeah. our kids. Cause I remember thinking, man, what's wrong with these kids on Sunday mornings <laughs> um, being home? Uh, but just realizing, look, you know, I like I, at the end of the day, like I have to own it. And yeah. I love the fact that yeah. um, one of the visions for the ministry is to empower parents yeah. to really help their kids own their faith. That's so right. That is so good. Yeah. Um. You know, I know. Not only are you, um, you know, passionate about uh, kids. Um, But also, I know that as you've been trying to help uh, kids and parents, uh, your journey into parenthood um and having kids of your own was uh it's a beautiful one but i know it was a challenging one sure sure um i know god led you and ed to adopt and that's one of the parts and there's so many parts of your story we could talk about but i love your your journey into adoption i want you to share a little bit about what you experienced as god kind of led you there sure um and then even just going through the process what was that like
1: so Ed and I were a little bit older in getting married. I mean, we weren't like ancient, but uh-huh. I mean, I I won't ask you how old are you are. Well, I was 33. Oh, oh you're going to say 31. it. Okay, I know. Good. How old are you now?
0: <laughs> Actually, you know,
1: I'm 47. I will say it. Uh, but well, that's Ed, not bad. I know. Ed is 33. I mean, I was 33 and Ed was 31 when we got uh, married. Mm-hmm. And so I knew from a very young age that it was most likely that I would not be able to have kids. Mm-hmm. So starting at 17, we realized that was not going to be the issue because, um, I've had 5 surgeries. We just mm-hmm. knew, not probably going to be a possibility. Yeah. And Ed and I talked about that early on that adoption would definitely be in our future, but did we want to see if bio kids were maybe in the cards. Mm-hmm. So we did that whole thing. Uh, we went to what we decided was because we were older when we got married that we needed to go ahead and decide are we going to do bios now or are we not going to do yeah. that? So we went to a um, infertility clinic up, up in Northern Virginia and it was You know, after several different things that they went through, um, a couple of miscarriages, finally after the second miscarriage, I uh, was laying on the couch and Ed just looks up at me and he went, I'm done with this. Mm -hmm. I'm done watching you hurt. I'm done with this. And so why are we waiting on this? Mm -hmm. And I went, I don't even know. And he said, then let's just get moving. Like, let's stop this nonsense. So we canceled all of our other appointments with the clinic and... uh, Ed's a big researcher, so he researched every single country that we could research, including domestic and international, and we knew very strongly that God was leading us to Ethiopia. And um, as you know, uh, it's a long process. Mm -hmm. And I will say, um, as my husband says, while I may be the big dreamer in our family, Mm -hmm. Ed is the one that is the fulfiller of those dreams because he is detail-minded. Sure. And so I've got pictures of him. Um, like on the living room floor with just mounds of mm. paperwork mm-hmm. for three kids trying yeah. to get them home. And uh, I'll say, you know, I know a lot of people that walk the adoption road, if if fertility is your issue, um, a lot of those women do not realize they have infertility problems until they get married. Mm. I want to say this sounds very strange. I had the luxury of knowing it at 17. Mm-hmm. So God had already prepared my heart. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't have this... Um, this deep sadness in me. There was no deep sadness. It was let's get on with the game of what God's plan is. Yeah, I recognize that's not every every woman's story.
0: Yeah, but then you know, um, mm-hmm. I'm sure there's probably other people who are who are listening right now, um, who maybe are battling. Um, infertility yeah, yeah. Um, and walking through that yourself and, you know, with with Jesus leading you. I yeah. mean, what, what is something that maybe you could even say to sure. maybe encourage somebody who yeah. has, has been bat- going through that even right now? Yeah.
1: Well, I'll tell you, um, when we, Joshua was home for seven years before he went off to college. And this is when, I mean, it took seven years for God to really show me this incredible yeah. moment. But uh, we dropped him off at Liberty University, your alma mater, mm-hmm. and we drove from um, Liberty to Charlottesville, and I wanted to be the driver. I had to have some kind of control of something. Sure. Uh-huh. So I was like, everybody get in your cars and be quiet. I mean, in your seats. So I'm driving, and I literally cried from Charlottesville, I mean, from Liberty to Charlottesville. As we got closer to Charlottesville, it, you know, there's one a few times in your life that you know beyond a doubt that God is speaking to you. I knew he was talking to me because he said, I just want you to think, had you had the ability to have kids, Mm. you would not have the blessing of today. Mm. You would not know what it is like Mm. to watch your kids succeed like this. You would not know Joshua in his gifting, sitting there in new opportunity. You would not know any of this. And in that moment, I just turned and looked at my family, and I went to my girls. I am so glad that God chose to see fit that I did not have children
0: Mm.
1: because I got to watch these three amazing humans succeed, Mm -hmm. and I get to watch these three amazing humans have a purpose that is so far beyond anything I could imagine. And I'm not saying biological kids couldn't have done that, but for our story, mm-hmm. in that moment, I was so grateful for my infertility mm-hmm. because I got to see my boy yeah. and I got to see him do great things. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and, that's good. Uh, yeah it was, Yeah, it's just, they are the light of our lives. Mm-hmm. They are the best thing that has ever happened to us. And I cannot imagine one single solitary day without them. And... Ever since dropping him off at school, it's just taken this whole turn of I get to be their mom Mm -hmm. and I get to be able to hear them call me mom and I get to be the one that comforts them at night and I get to be the one that takes care of them and I would not have known that joy and I also get to be a multiracial family. Mm -hmm. We get to know that joy and there's so many layers to it that I'm just so grateful that Even at 17 years old, when I realized I'm probably not going to be able to have kids, that God had a greater plan. Mm
0: -hmm. That's good. That's so good. And I want to um, also back back up into the adoption story. Yeah. Because, you know, okay, so here's, you know, Ed sprawled out across the floor with all this paperwork. Um, How long did the journey take? Yeah. Um, and then why Ethiopia? I mean, okay. out of all the countries in the world to adopt sure. from, why, why was it Ethiopia?
1: Okay. Mm-hmm. So, um, the whole journey took about two years and then from paperwork to home. Mm-hmm. And actually 10 years ago today was our first trip to Ethiopia. Oh, wow. Yeah. I, they popped up in my memories this morning, um, on my Facebook. And so, Uh, we had to do two trips there. And so this was our first one today. The reason we chose Ethiopia is every single country has different guidelines. Mm -hmm. Um, We knew immediately some countries we just did not feel called to. Uh, But some countries have got severe regulations. Like one of the countries, you have to be married 10 years. Mm But we had only been married like five. Mm -hmm. And so um, different things like that. And then um, other kind of Things. I mean, there was there was just weird stipulations on some of the countries. Ethiopia, we had been drawn to. Mm-hmm. And um, after Ed did all of the research, I came home one day, he came home one day, and we both looked at each other and said, it's Ethiopia. And so we called our adoption agency, America World, and um, we started... Down that path, and and we've really, you know, their adoption has changed in the way that it looks in Ethiopia. Mm-hmm. Right now, they're mainly focusing on domestic adoption. They've closed down international adoption, um, but they are just they're they're the kindest people we've ever met. Mm-hmm. They're just very kind, and um, I mean that's not the reason we chose Ethiopia. We really chose it just because we felt like that's where sure. God was pointing. Yeah,
0: absolutely. I know even because um, <clears throat> we adopted a, a child from India. And even just going through the process, um, it's funny how how God even kind of because of different restrictions that different countries have, and even depending on the adoption industry you work with, how some of those things are kind of just filtered down through um, the process of elimination. Because even how we landed on India was simply because uh, some countries won't let you adopt a child if you already have children. We had three already. Yeah. Whereas India is like it's fine. Come on. Um. As well. So, what was the uh, as you guys were on that two year journey? Mm Um, to go through the adoption process, what was the hardest part, and then where did you see God working in that journey?
1: Um, I think the hardest part was the waiting because mm-hmm. I'm a very impatient person. I mean, I really. I mean, <clears throat> you think about it; most families they wait nine months,
0: sure. yeah. <laughs> and then they
1: have a child. Uh, this whole two and there's a whole thing, lot less paperwork. It's too. a whole <laughs> lot less paperwork, and that was another thing. Um, you know, you would hit a roadblock. Like we hit a roadblock, and had to go to Richmond one day to get this weird document, you know, authorized. Then we had to go to DC to go to immigration. And Mm -hmm. then, I mean, there's every day there was a new phone call telling us, Oh, nope, they changed their mind. This is the kind of document they want. Nope. They've changed their mind. This is what they want. And so all of that, I mean, you think, Oh, it's just paperwork. It's a lot of, I mean, even to this day, and I'm sure it is with cares too. We still have to do paperwork every year on the anniversary Mm -hmm. of the adoption, they – we not Joshua anymore because he's after 18. But for the girls, until they're 18, you have to provide this book, it feels like, of mm-hmm. stuff. And so it's – the paperwork is worth it. It's just a lot. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, it didn't make us want to quit ever. There was never a time that made us want to quit. But um, definitely – it's it's just an interesting journey. It's mm-hmm. just but it's well worth it. Absolutely. It's just you need to make sure you have the right people navigating you through it.
0: Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And so you bring these three kids home. Yes. Which were you intending to do a sibling group of people? Yeah. Or were you just hoping for one well, child or we
1: were gonna adopt one baby mm-hmm. f- named Ruby. <laughs> and Ed was like, we're not naming a kid Ruby. But I was. And so um we were gonna do one child. And then when we saw how long it was taking, mm-hmm. Ed and I were like, maybe we should just go ahead and, and just, just do two now instead of having to redo this whole process. Yeah. Well, then we had heard through the grapevine about the sibling group of three. Mm-hmm. And, um, the, we call anyway anyway, is a very, very long story in that, but our, we call the adoption agency and, they said it is highly unlikely those kids will ever be paper ready. Mm-hmm. They will probably just be in the system forever. It is rare that they will be paper ready, so you need to just chill on that. That's not going to happen. Yeah. Um, but I just knew, like I was like, it's gonna something is going to happen. And then in January we got the phone call and they said. They're paper ready. We don't know how it happened, but they're paper ready. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, so Joshua could speak a little bit of English, a lot. I mean, he was very good. Um, the girls, none. Mm-hmm. And so that was interesting, you know, kind of blending two cultures into one mm-hmm. um, for that first little bit. So they they all were able to learn English, or Josh already had a lot of it, but the girls by by Christmas. Yeah. So it took about six months. So which was interesting as well, too. Yeah.
0: So. And so uh, you bring these three kids home. Yep, and um, you've already mentioned it. Like you're you're now a multiracial family. Yes. Um, multicultural family. Mm -hmm. Um, and maybe in the beginning a multilingual family. Yes. Yes. As well, and you're from Charlottesville, Virginia. Yes. And you're certainly on the you're on the lighter shade of the skin tone. Very white. Um, and then you adopt, (laughs) (laughs) and then you adopt three kids from Ethiopia. Yes. Um, what was it like in essence bringing those two worlds together? Um, and then were there any challenges and then what did God show you in all of that?
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, there, it was, first of all, it's just, it, it's the beauty of what I believe the kingdom of heaven will look like when Mm -hmm. you've got, um, two cultures that, that collide in and to make one family and, um. You know, there were moments where I remember the first time I took them to Target and um, I was standing in front of what they had a big sign that said ethnic hair care. Mm -hmm. And I am just standing there knowing I have a list of things that I thought I had gotten off the Internet of what I needed to take Mm -hmm. care of my children's hair. Mm -hmm. And I'm just standing there like they all three have different hair types. What am I going to do? And I saw this other lady, this beautiful, beautiful African-American lady standing there. And I walked over and I went can you just help me? Mm-hmm. And she walks over and she went, absolutely, I can. She oh, felt good. all of their hair. Uh-huh. She handed me all the product that I needed. And This I was, was pre-COVID too, right? It was pre-COVID, no masks. Okay. And so as she was touching their hair, she was feeling it and she handed it to me and she looked at me and said, um, you are going to be a good mom to them. Oh, so and cool. I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt God had sent her to me because mm-hmm. I felt like I'm sitting here with three different hair types. I'm sitting here with kids that don't speak English. I love them more than life itself, but I don't know what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. And this woman just helped me in that moment, which was good. And, um, and I learned different things. Like, um, we had to have some hard conversations with Joshua and, um, that were, uh, how, how I, I didn't expect to have those conversations, especially with a white child. Mm -hmm. So. Things like when we would walk into the target, I would have to have him walk beside me sometimes because I would see the security guards walking up a little bit Mm -hmm. because Josh would be walking in with like a hood on. And so I would have to walk up to him and say, all right, buddy, let me explain this. And the thing is, culturally in Ethiopia, the men have these things called yabbies and they wrap their heads to keep them warm and they wear them. So it was similar to a sweatshirt Mm -hmm. hoodie. So he didn't understand why he couldn't wear his hoodie. Do you know what I mean? Like, what is this? So I was explaining, buddy, here's what I need you to know. And like, he would love to go running because he was on the cross country team. So I would say, bud, when you do go running, let's go running during the day. And Mm -hmm. I need you not to wear that hoodie. Mm -hmm. And he's like, well, explain to me why, mom. And to have to have a conversation with a 14-year-old child, well, I mean, he was a child, even though he was a teenager, and explain why you can't wear that hoodie, it it was sobering for me, as it should be, Mm -hmm. um, to be able to say, I don't know that I would have ever had to have that conversation with a white son. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Yeah. So those kind of things um, were eye-opening for me as a white parent, mm-hmm. as they should have been eye-opening way before. But my own children coming into my home, it created much more awareness than what I had had before as yeah. a parent. Yeah.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And then do you feel like um, in the middle of all that, like even now, I mean, because Josh was in... College, Mm -hmm. um, and then Ruth is in high school, and then Dib is in uh, middle school. school. Um, What is something maybe God's teaching you right now, um, you know, within your family as well?
1: Um, I tell you what, really, um, what God has shown me in the last year is that presence is everything <laughs> mm-hmm. because 2020 has been very, it was difficult for everyone. Very, very difficult for everyone. But for our family, uh, what I am realizing is that being present, um, really is everything because Ruth knowing, I mean, I still envision her at six years old. Cause when they came home, they were three, six and 14 mm-hmm. and Um, I think now Ruth really only has three more years with us. That's mind-boggling. And to think that Dib is now in sixth grade, quickly heading to be a senior. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's it's going fast. Mm -hmm. And then Joshua will graduate next year and go off to make his films. And I'm just thinking, where did the time go? And that really what God is showing me with our family is that presence is everything yeah. and that is the mo- the most we can be present whether it is physical presence or with joshua whether it is daily text messages that may get on his nerves because i'm his mom mm-hmm. that i want to be present in everything um because i believe that's that's one thing and i know this is one of your questions coming up that's one thing god did teach me is that God really is an ever-present help, mm-hmm. and if we can model that and be ever-present with our kids, then they will always know they can come to us for help. That's good. You see what I'm saying? Yeah,
0: absolutely. So. Well, um, that perfectly leads me into my, my last know, question, right? okay? Um, it is obvious, again, like you have a passion for people, yeah, um, and you're certainly a gifted leader. Um, in fact, you serve on the lead team here at our church and you're technically my boss as well. So if you want to cut this thing off at any point, you absolutely can. It's, it's silly. Um, but you, uh, you are married to one of the, uh, kindest men I've ever met. Yeah. Um, you're raising these three kids, college, high school, middle school. Um, you're taking care of your parents as they step into their more golden years. Is that yeah. what you call it? Is the golden I years so. as you good. progress in life, um, you're taking care of your parents, you lead um, this family ministry team it's several staff people, um, several hundred kids that come each week um, to all the different campuses. Um, you have a podcast called She Speaks Stories, which you guys can check that out if you haven't yet. Um, you just started a virtual walking club called Wander On as well, and all of this and some of this even happened last year during the during the pandemic. But in all of these things that you've been involved in, especially yeah. with last year, yeah. Which one of these things maybe caused you to dive deeper into your relationship with Jesus last year?
1: Um, Well, I'll say 2020 was hard for everyone. Mm -hmm. And then 2021 showed up like it's bratty little sister and it's still going strong. And so I think um, with us, with 2020, um, we experienced something as a family that was, um, I think a lot of families were experiencing during COVID. So we know that, um, depression and mental health issues, suicide, everything is on the rise during COVID. Yeah. And there's not enough, um, help out there really to be able to provide across the board for so many people. Um, so for 10 months of 2020, my husband and I, uh, walked this journey where Ed suffered from a very deep depression. Mm-hmm. Um, we were actually gonna, um, record our story, uh, we're going to air it in May um, on the She Speaks on She Speaks Stories, which is the sweetest little community of women and men mm-hmm. that you'll ever know. Uh, but we're going to, because May is Mental Health Month, we're going to air it then. But so I'm going to give you the brief what happened is um, Ed um, was in this pretty deep depression and it forced us to put together a plan, mm. um, a, a very big plan, because depression does not just affect one person. It That's affects right. the entire family. Yep. And so we had to act quickly on this. And so we did several things. We put together this plan that is like a five-fold plan. And one is that um, depression will lead you down a road you never wanted to go. Um, It leads you into very dark places, very sad places. So if you're not proactive in the help of depression, it can escalate very, very quickly. Um, And so... Several things that we saw um, is that we learned in 2020 that when God says that he is an ever-present help in times of trouble, that he is sincerely an ever-present help. Um, In our bedroom, we put all over one of our walls all of these scriptures about God's faithfulness, God's healing, God's ability and promises. And um, when there were days where Ed really could not pray or read or do anything except just be, he would just sit on the edge of our bed and just read those scriptures. Yeah. Um, we learned deeper about what prayer is. We learned deeper about what God intends for us to talk to him about and that you can literally bring to him the good, the bad, the ugly, and the lovely of every single portion of all of your dark thoughts. He will take them. Mm-hmm. Um, we learned um, that counseling is a good, good thing.
0: Yes, it we is. learned
1: that yeah. therapy is a good, good thing. We learned that medication is a good thing. Mm-hmm. And with those five things of scripture being having the ability to change a life with prayer and counseling and therapy and medication, uh, my husband came out on the other side of it. Um, our kids walked that entire road with us, and I was scared, um, like, how is this going to, is this going to upset them watching their dad have this, have this experience? If anything, it has brought them more compassion, more humanity and understanding what mental health is. Because like we told them, you would never question going to see a doctor or take medicine if you had cancer. So why are we questioning when people have um, any kind of mental health oh, issue? Yeah. You do that. Absolutely. Yeah. And so during that those months, at the end of it, um, I found myself in a very gross place because in taking care of my family and taking care of Ed, at the end of it, I was the heaviest I'd ever been. I was doing nothing that I could do to Mm take care of myself. So at the end of uh, of February, at the end of December, jokingly, Ed and I took a picture of ourselves taking a walk. And I said, who wants to join the Ed and Susan walking club? It was a joke. Mm -hmm. And now we are, we have 1,500 people. Oh, wow. That wander with us. That's hilarious. That's great. We called it Wander On because of Mm -hmm. our names. And they pick the way where they want to wander, hike, 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 hike. Hike, bike, hike, <laughs> uh-huh. bike, walk, whatever they want to do, run. And they literally are posting pictures of themselves every single day doing it. That's good. And it's proving to be better for our mental health. It's proving to be better for our physical health. And, yeah, it's super fun. It's an amazing community of men and women. And we've got people that are walking 2,000 steps a day, and we've got people that are training for a Boston Marathon. Mm-hmm. So it's all the gamut, and they are above and beyond. Like some started with, like, a goal of, like, um, 200 goals for 200 miles for the year, and they've already done 200 miles in January. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. it's amazing. It's amazing to watch what's happening in that. So, but the thing I want to say is the um, the, inf- the information about Ed and I with his road of depression. We are going to go way more in depth about that um, with She Speaks Stories. So that community is so tender and dear. How do they hold stories so close? And we believe stories change lives. <laughs> and I Ed believes that in sharing his story, he is hopeful to break light on what depression is, and how you can come out of it, and how God really is such a present help. That's right. So
0: Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Well, Susan, thank you for joining us on this episode of What's the Difference? Um, I re- I'm not just saying this because you're you know, above me in the staff org chart. I really do mean it. You are a great leader. Um, you are a picture of what it means to follow mm-hmm. Jesus. And in fact, I love the fact that literally you're bringing God's kingdom in mm-hmm. your own family, Revelation 7-9. Um, you're, bringing, you're bringing that multi-ethnic nation right into your mm-hmm. own home, and you're a picture of God's kingdom. And in fact, even right now as we're... Recording this, our whole church has been challenged to memorize Ephesians chapter 4, right. verse um, 1 through yeah. 6. You know, and I won't quiz you on that. it. Yeah, you. But I think you are a picture of that where Paul says, look, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you've received, mm-hmm. to be completely humble, to be patient and gentle, bearing with one another in love. You are a picture of that. And so thank you so much for joining us on this episode.
1: You're kind, Andrew. I appreciate you so much.
0: And thank you guys again for watching this seventh episode of What's the Difference. Don't miss the next episode. Next episode, we're going to have Lisa Harris on this episode. <gasps> I
1: love her.
0: <laughs> Susan, calm down. I'm doing the I outro. I just got a
1: text from her this morning. She is fantastic. You need to make sure you tune into that. That's She's right. awesome.
0: Yeah, make sure you hit the subscribe button because Lisa leads a ministry called Transitions for You where she actually helps people not um, who are living and battling homelessness, living in local motels. She helps them through counseling and financial training and through coaching, all led by the gospel to step out of what they've been into and step into what God has for them. Mm -hmm. So make sure you don't miss the next episode of What's the Difference?
1: Thank you for tuning in to What's the Difference? Click on subscribe to make sure you get the next episode with Pastor Andrew. Connect with us for more resources and information on how you can make a difference at mtararat.org. See you at the Mount.